Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything. So this podcast is a reflection of that. Here, we speak on non-mainstream perspectives like personal growth in motherhood and relationships, awareness of the ego versus the soul, the voice of fear versus intuition. We discuss what it looks like to step into your power and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I'm obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and their babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is about women taking radical responsibility for their life, shedding victimhood for good. Sue, I knew you were perfect for this podcast because so many reasons, but you are a first-time mom and you didn't need the conventional route of having a traumatic hospital birth to then choose a home birth or a free birth. Like to me, that is someone that collects wisdom from other people to choose a different path. And I have been watching your story unfold and I knew that you are the perfect person for this podcast for that reason. Um, but then there's also elements to your other, your other, your story that it's like you went, you went past 43 weeks. Yep. (laughs) So there's things like that, that I can't wait to dive in. Um, and then the fact that our story is full circle because we met on Instagram years ago and you kind of call yourself an atheist and some of my posts or stories about God were, I don't know, would you say triggering? I wouldn't say triggering because I had enough awareness at that point to be like, okay, I need to reflect on this, but it did cause me to reflect in a way that I hadn't before. Okay. Okay. So the full story, the full circle of this story is that we met through Instagram, kind of connected about God and you weren't like full on the God train. And now this story, your wild pregnancy and free birth, the core of it is that you had to trust God. Oh yeah. To let go and surrender. Yeah. (laughs) I'm probably gonna cry by the way. Me too, me too. I already just started. I know. (laughs) But to me, like that's how how God works is this full circle so this is why I just think you are so perfect for this podcast. Um, but I do want you to introduce to the audience kind of like in a women's circle way, because when, when women gather, we do this women's circle oftentimes, you know, it's not the same everywhere, but Mm -hmm. we sit in a circle and we sit there and we do our introduction to these women about who we are. And it's so hard to say who you are in a few minutes, yeah. but you kind of, you kind of say your, your peaks of your life and your valleys of your life, because that shapes you, who you are, especially the valleys. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I do want you to do this like women's circle introduction because it <laughs> will help people, you know, if you're very different from people, 
I think that's an amazing element to be like, oh, this person is so different from me and I relate to them or, whoa, this person's different from me and I want to listen to how they're different. Hmm. Um, but also if like they have commonalities, then that also is a, a bridge. Right. And a so, connecting point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, take it away. Okay. So I'm the youngest of four children and I would say that I experienced trauma as early as being in my mother's womb. <laughs> um, my father attempted to um, commit suicide or unalive himself. And I obviously absorbed all of that stress, all of that pain, anguish, devastation um, that my mother experienced at that time. And I carried that into my birth. Um, also, I grew up feeling a bit alienated from my Hispanic family um, and the peers at my school because I, I always felt like I was in this cultural limbo. Um, I didn't really feel like I fit in with my Mexican family because I was too American, but then I also didn't fit in with my peers at school because I was too brown or Latina. Um, and then my first relationship was at 17 and it was really tumultuous um, and I was sexually mentally and emotionally abused. Um, and so I understand the deep betrayal and the violation of safety, um, which comes into play later. Um, I was also married for five years and I understand the, the pain and the loss of separation and divorce. Um, and, you know, at the time, like not feeling like I was taking responsibility really for how I was showing up and the needs and not communicating them. Um, I've known um, that, you know, I've, I've had a, a struggle with my relationship to God in the past um, from, you know, just not really feeling connected and growing up Catholic and then saying, you know, I'm going to find my own path. Um, I'm going to, you know, search for my own beliefs and then declaring that I was, you know, an atheist. <laughs> and deep in my heart, I knew that that wasn't my truth. Um, and, but that was part of my, you know, path of individuation. And I needed to go through that in order to be where I am now. Um, I also know what it takes to rediscover yourself later and the, the struggle and the reward that comes with that. Um, I've worn many hats this lifetime. <laughs> I've been an artist, um, an interior architect, um, a behavioral therapist for children with autism, um, a wedding photographer, a hypnotherapist coach, and now I'm a mama. And in true manifesting generator form, um, I've followed my passions and wherever they have taken me. Um, I'd say for about a decade or more, I've been doing a lot of inner work and deep healing. Um, and I have found that relationship with myself that I never really thought was available to me or that was possible. And it really didn't only, it, it didn't come until birth, really, until pregnancy and birth, because um, what I thought, you know, was a great relationship with my body before was really, um, was really put to the test during all of this. And it took shedding and, and going from maiden to mother to really find that relationship, that deeper relationship. Um, and I would say that's it. <laughs> wow. I honestly wish we had 10 hours to talk about every single thing you mentioned because 
you have lived like 50 lives in your 30 something mm -hmm. yeah 35 yeah. years oh my god and i already got teary-eyed because <laughs> the things you've walked through like that is truly it carved you into who you are totally and it's all all of the experiences have been you know the wisdom gained from that not on an intellectual level but on a deep embodied level um really were what allowed me to have the birth that i thought um that i felt was possible for my son and i um and it you know i'm grateful for all of it uh the shit, <laughs> i'm grateful for it the beautiful wonderful expansive moments i'm grateful for it oh, okay so that leads us perfectly into did you know what you wanted prior to conceiving? Because as I said in the beginning, your path is different in this pregnancy and birth route because you did not get pregnant. And then at like eight, nine weeks, you didn't run to a medical doctor mm -mm. unconsciously. You know, a lot of people just don't even think they don't even think why am I going to the doctor at eight weeks? Right. What are they going to tell me? What is going to happen? What is the point? So I know if I got pregnant years ago, I would have just run, run to the doctor because totally. it's what you do in this society. It's mm -hmm. kind of the world too, not just in the USA, but you don't even ask yourself, you don't critically think why. And I joke that I came, my mom, actually jokes that I came out of the womb asking why <laughs> two years old. Why, why three years old? Why? And I'm, and I'm 34 and I'm still asking why all the time, which is why I have this podcast. Yeah. And you know, this is, this is huge part of who I am, but so many women get pregnant and as a reflex run to the doctor. Oh, yeah. Even if they're a holistic person in real life or holistic, crunchy, whatever word, I don't even know what word I am, you know, right. like, okay. Yeah. Just, but even if you're a holistic person, a lot of holistic women react, reflect, it's a reflex. You run to the doctor because it's right. what everyone does to me. That's herd mentality. Oh yeah. And that's where I am always questioning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like you, years ago that would not have been me at all i was a total people pleaser i yeah. like sought safety validation all of these things outside of myself yes um, and that was a huge factor um in my pregnancy of like consciously choosing okay before before seeking anything out or even thinking to seek something out like how do i feel you know, and coming to a place of groundedness, coming to a place of like connection and attunement with where I was at that moment and what I was feeling. And usually that led me to, mm, I actually do feel safe in my body. Okay, what I thought I needed was really just an ego uh, fear, a mind game that was happening, right? To, to get me to not trust myself. <laughs> and my wisdom and my knowing um, and to sever that connection. And it, it took, you know, it took that awareness to sit with myself for a moment and be like, you know, why, why do I want this? Or why do I feel like I want this? Like a test um, or a, right. if it, yeah, that's what I, that's what I want to start with is 
in pregnancy, if we're not aware, the ego gives us fears or worries, and then we decide whether we act on it or not. Right. And a lot of that's unconscious. We're not even aware. But our ego tells us a story of worry or fear. And then we think, oh my gosh, I have to go get an ultrasound to see if it's okay. Right. And what we have learned, I think probably through free birth women's stories, wise women before us that have walked this path is even if you go to the ultrasound or the genetic testing or whatever it is, it is not true safety because mm -hmm. once you get that nugget of, oh, everything's okay, the next day or the next week, your ego is going to tell you another fear. Mm -hmm. And then what are you going to do about it the second time and the right. third time and the fourth time? Right. And when you act on fear in pregnancy and birth in life in general, you are in distrust, Absolutely. distrust of God distrust of God, distrust of your body, mm -hmm. because trusting the body is trusting God. Right. And, it's, and it creates a huge disconnect as well, a disconnect from God, a disconnect from self. And yes. so I realized being fully connected to myself and my wisdom was being connected to God. It was a clear channel for God to be moving through me, God's wisdom to be moving through me and helping me, you know, move forward in the choices that I wanted to pursue. Yeah, so I want to know, at what point did you hear of the concept of wild pregnancy, which is when you, basically, you are your own prenatal care. Mm -hmm. You don't have tests, ultrasounds, nothing. You don't go to a provider for maternity care or prenatal mm -hmm. care. Right. A wild pregnancy is the woman is the authority of her body, and she is doing her own self-care, prenatal care. Mm -hmm. And then, so what... Like, at what point did you hear about this and then it like resonated with you? Obviously, it clearly did, mm -hmm. um, which led you to also free birth, which free birth is birthing unassisted without a medical provider, even a midwife. Um, so I want to know, like, where your story starts of hearing about it. And then once you conceive, you know, going through it. Yeah. So I first heard about it through your account, <laughs> through oh, the really? things that you started posting and that intrigued me. And so I started following other accounts that were um, sharing similar information. And from there, I was like, I can do that. Like at the time, it was funny, too, because I didn't in, in my head, um, like I didn't I didn't ever want children. Um, and it was something that I always actively pushed away and that I, I would actively reject. I do not want children. Um, and that was all just a protection, um, you know, to my heart really, because, well, I'll discuss that a little bit later too, but, um, I didn't want children and yet I was following all of these different birthing accounts. <laughs> so that was funny. Um, but I, I was exposed to the concepts of wild pregnancy and free birthing and all of that through these accounts. Now I did, um, my sister had her children at a birth center. So I was already a little bit in like a semi alternative um, of just having a different option of, it doesn't have to be at the hospital. Oh, a birth center. Okay. So I was, I, you know, I was like, okay, you could birth there, but I never even thought about home birth. I, I didn't even know that was a thing or like that was, you know, that was also normal and perfectly safe. Um, 
And so after I started to learn more about what it means to have a wild pregnancy and, and, and learn what it means to free birth and, and what it takes to, to pursue that path, um, you know, years later, um, after moving to Colorado, um, you know, I finally, I had a, a, a cannabis journey <laughs> and I just felt like, like this, this like overwhelming sense of love an overwhelming sense of bliss. And it was connected to a baby. And I knew that I was, I was actively pushing him away and, oh, <laughs> um, it took really claiming like claiming first owning my fear owning my fear and owning the choices that i had made up until that point and then fully claiming him and saying like i will do what it takes you know and and like a week later i conceived and and from then on it was i'm doing like wild pregnancy you know i i remembered all of the things that i had learned in the past and i chose wild pregnancy and you know, what does it mean to have my, like, what does it mean to create my own prenatal care? Well, what feels good to me? What feels good in my body? What, what helps me to feel safe? What helps me to feel expansive? What helps me to feel um, grounded and attuned to my own body? And so I pursued all of the different modalities and things that um, supported that. And in the moments where fear did come in, because I am human and I have tons of fear, <laughs> um, I, I was aware that it was my ego voice speaking to me and that was wanting to simply protect me, you know? And it was one of those moments repeatedly over and over again where thank you for trying to protect me and you're, you're, you're over here. I'm still going to pursue this path because I, path because I trust myself. And I kept affirming that over and over again and uh, it, you know, every single time that something would, would enter that was, that felt like fear, that made me want to contract, that made me want to be small, that made me want to seek outside of myself first. Um, what's, what's like one example of a fear? There's probably many, but what's one? Yeah. So one that came up repeatedly was imposter syndrome, <laughs> which is so bizarre. Um, you know, I, I had a belly and, uh, and my, my mind was still telling me that you know, this isn't real. You have to get a test to confirm that there's a, a, a child growing within you. Um, like you're, you're faking it. You're, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, out to here. <laughs> yeah, like your knowing's not enough. Right. You need a test. You need mm -hmm. a medical person. What you know about your body's not enough. Right, right. And you know, all of the symptoms that I was experiencing, not enough my physical appearance not enough <laughs> you know i was like oh my what? God. and to me to me that is the tenacity of the ego like oh yeah to me that clearly demonstrates the ferociousness of the ego mm -hmm. totally that you have a belly and it's saying that might not be a baby in there right right and and i uh, you know at that point i had done enough work with myself that I, I recognize how my ego works and it's very like 
manipulative <laughs> and it likes to to think that oh you've done a certain amount of work oh you can you can rest easy you can coast right here but really what's lying underneath is like you know all the juicy stuff is like down here and so i knew that going in to all of this and that a lot of stuff was going to come up and a lot of dark stuff came up um you know fear of fear of death fear of being blasted so open and opening my heart um to where I could be devastated, you know, not knowing the outcome of, of something and the unknown and being not not having that certainty that the need to know I need to know this. I need to know that things are safe. I need to know that I'm going to have a safe outcome. I need to know that, you know, everything will be OK. Um, and you have the ability to sit in the discomfort of knowing there are no guarantees right. in life, in death, in birth and it's the work that you've done to me that makes you able to say, I can birth my baby and my baby might not be alive because I am not guaranteed an alive baby. Right. No, we are guaranteed nothing in our life. We are not guaranteed to live till tomorrow. Nope. And we, ha we have to sit with that discomfort if we want to trust God. Right. Sit with it and let it pass and recognize, you know, what the root of that and where that's where that's coming from, you know, and and consciously choosing, I am not listening to you today. <laughs> I'm not listening to you ego. I'm listening to my soul. I'm listening to my heart, you know, and and over and over again. I mean, that's that's not a decision that happens just once, one and done and then you're like all, you know, moving with consciousness all the time. Like, no. It happens multiple times every single day uh, and just being aware of that, you know, and you start to, you start to move differently as well. You know, you can, you can see when, when you're connected to yourself, what, you know, you're aware of what your body's doing. Is it, is it going like this or is it going like this? Does it feel anxiety? Does it feel, you know, are, do you feel contracted and small or do you feel expansive and grounded, you know? And yeah, a nervous system regulated. Mm -hmm is expansive yeah and soft mm -hmm. and dysregulation is contracted right and what other words would you say small um just so tight right rigid rigid, rigid. wanting to control oh yeah yeah needing to know mm -hmm. the mind huge... the mind needing to know which I think every single human on this planet can relate to. And to me, that's what comes up in pregnancy and birth the most mm -hmm. is the mind's need to know. Right. And the fact that you chose a path where you could not know anything for certain and sit in that uncertainty. But this is the thing is people in a conventional prenatal care system or maternity care where they're getting the ultrasounds, ultrasounds aren't fact. And it's momentary. It is momentary. You get an ultrasound one day, anything can happen an hour after, a day later. Right. So yeah. if you had moments of fear in your pregnancy where the ego came in, was telling you these fears or whatever, the stupid stories, what modalities or what, what would you do to get back to that feeling of safety in your body. Mm. So there was a few that I 
um, pulled upon to, to, to get me back into that sense of safety. And, and it changed as well. It was, it was never just, you know, one set of, of practices. Um, but I, I, sometimes I practiced meditation um, and just, you know, the observing of thoughts. Sometimes I practiced um, from one of my feminine embodiment teachers in the past. Um, she has a great practice of like taking on the shape of your closure, taking on the shape of your, um, of your contraction, right, in, in your body. What does that feel like when, when you have a fear and you can recognize, oh yeah, I usually go like this, or I usually go like this, or you know, what what is the shape that your body usually takes and exaggerate it. Like exaggerate it to the point where you you have no choice but to feel it. Yeah, like you're not you cannot be numb to that feeling of smallness, of fear, of anxiety. Exaggerate it. And then like slowly... like contraction could be um crawling up in a ball. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so imagine you're like this, right? And you're just like exaggerating it. And all of your, all of your limbs are just like rigid and you're and tight and, and you can feel that so, so strongly. And then slowly you start to take the opposite shape. So if you're used to making yourself small, if you're used to making yourself invisible and getting into like curling up into like a little ball, slowly you start to unfurl. What does that feel like? You can breathe more. You can, you have more space for breath now. And, um, you know, you make yourself bigger, you make yourself softer, you, you, you gain a position that's upright, but relaxed, you know? And so I would practice that. And then I would, I would practice like, okay, I feel really tight and like crunchy in certain areas of my body. Okay. So what would it feel like to move, you know, move in this way to start to feel, feel that sort of tension release. And I would do that until it felt good and then I felt like oh I'm at home in my body again you know I can I have some range of motion I have some movement um, and even if it looked funny even if it looked weird um, you know allowing myself the space to do that and then slowly you know breathing breathing deeply diaphragmatic breathing um, you know big big belly of breath and um, and moving a big belly of breath and then slowly you know, I would, I would feel my thoughts slow down and just kind of, they were easier to release. Um, a lot of it was, was, was mostly movement that would allow me to get back into my body and back into that feeling of safety. Um, because I tend to intellectualize a lot, everything. And so for me, just telling myself, you're safe, you're safe. While that was effective to a certain degree, I really needed to be able to feel that in my body yeah. and, and have that, that space to just move in whatever way felt good and then, you know, and, and come back. Yeah, so I wanna know just kinda like what your pregnancy, what that whole journey was like. How did you spend your days and did you really, really, really enjoy it? Or was it, did you have sickness or, you know, and then, and then once you kind of describe that, then you can kind of move into reaching 43 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So as I was sort of crafting up, like what, what feels good to me and what helps support feeling safe? Um, I, I, I started to choose, you know, on a, on a day by day basis and even, most of the time it was moment by moment basis of how I wanted to spend my days and, and what I wanted to do to, to, to prepare my body for that day. 
And so most of the time, you know, I would wake up and I would have something nourishing in my body that that just felt filling, that felt, um, you know, that I prepared myself so that I knew that I was getting all of the nourishment that I, I needed for to sustain me during pregnancy. And I would just, I was moving a lot slower. That was one of the things I'm, I'm used to like, go, 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 and just do, 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 you know, and always, um, always moving, moving, you know, and, and just, and, and going really fast. And so consciously choosing to move a lot slower and just to take my time and to really enjoy each and every step, you know, as I was preparing like a tea or something like that, you know, like really enjoying each moment. And a lot of the time, honestly, I mean, there was so much spaciousness that I created during my day that it was like, wow, like I'm bored and that's wonderful. You know, like I, and I, and I wasn't actually bored, but it was one of those things where like, I had never intentionally gave myself that much space before. And so oftentimes, you know, I would read or um, I would draw, I would, I would try to, you know, be creative and, um, watercolor, which was another exercise of letting go for me. Um, traditionally, like watercolor for me has always been something that um, that has fostered that sense of surrender and and letting go because I can't control the paint. Um, I have to let the water just do its thing, and so I would watercolor because that brought me joy. Um, I would go outside and you know bask in the sun for a little bit and put my feet on the grass and just breathe in fresh air. Um, I would dance in the mornings. I would do like an embodiment practice and I would just dance <laughs> and whatever, whatever felt good in that moment or in, you know, that particular day or that morning, you know, it might be like a really slow song. It might be like a high energetic song. Um, I would, I would just dance. Dance brought me a lot of joy. It's cool though, because I, I hear you saying that you create so much space and stillness in your pregnancy. Which is what is required in postpartum mm -hmm. stillness with your baby breastfeeding throughout your days like that stillness is and so it's it probably wasn't like the biggest life shift because you created that space in your pregnancy right i was already used to that and i i created like the space for that in in pregnancy and postpartum and i still find myself like I mean, right now I'm four months postpartum and I, you know, I still find myself like wanting to go out and do things. And like, I see, you know, oh, I, I wish I was, I was doing that. And then I'm like, wait a second, I'm here present with my baby. What, what more could I want, you know? Yeah. And, and slow down and I'm here with him and I'm here experiencing him and learning him and loving him. And that's enough. That's beautiful. And that enriches my soul, you know? So what was it like um, reaching 40, 41, 42, 43 weeks? Where was your headspace? For, for a long time, you know, I, one of the posts that you had created about um, 42 weeks and, you know, sharing with family, drawing that boundary around um, having like, visitors around yeah, 42 Are you talking weeks. about you don't have to tell people your due date? That one, and also like expect to have friends and family or whoever, um, like not come until forty-two weeks. Um, and versus, so already, 40, versus forty weeks. Some people are like, "Oh, my due right. date is forty weeks. Okay, family come into town at forty weeks, and then, 
And then I have friends who thought like their anxiety was that their family was in town for right. the baby, for them. And that brings a whole other level that's oh, yeah. not needed. It's right. not needed. Right. That was one of the things I told my family, like, because they were trying to plan. No, none of my family lives here in Colorado. And so they were trying to plan, like, well, when should we go? I was like, you, you guys take care of it. Like, that's not my responsibility. And yes, I want you to meet, you know, my son. And also, like, I, I can't take responsibility for that. That's something that you'll have to sort out. And when he comes is, is when he's going to come. I'm not going to induce. I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to allow him to choose the day that he's ready to be birthed. And so that came with its set of, you know, challenges because everybody, you know, wants to have a date that they can plan their life around. Their you know? mind needs to know when your baby's coming. Right, right. And, you know, even, even like, even like just rewinding it back a little bit, um, the baby kicking, like he didn't kick in the normal window of time that babies typically start to show um, like a lot of movement. And, you know, that's kind of when it started. Well, when's the, you know, is the baby, like, is, is the baby kicking? Is, you know, when, when is the baby gonna kick? Like, and, and for me, that was kind of like, oh my gosh, is there something wrong? Like, he's not, he's not kicking, I don't feel him, oh my gosh, you know? Um, and this transfers to when you have a baby and they're small, they're big, they have their first tooth or not. We have to pin this and <laughs> talk right. about four months old, not, but anyways. Yeah, so, <laughs> so fast forward, into heading into my into my 43rd week you know there there started to creep in a little bit of anxiety of like whoa 43 weeks you know that's that's pushing it that's that's a lot that's not normal you know and then receiving the feedback of of everyone around me of like is he there yet is he there yet is he there yet and and consciously doing as much as I could to protect my peace and protect my space and place boundaries around it but I can't control other people I can't control you know, there, there are certain factors that I simply can't control. And so, you know, there was just enough though to create a little bit of anxiety and to feel like, oh my gosh, like, do I, do I need to be walking? Do I need to be like taking, eating dates or taking castor oil or like doing all of these things, you know? Like, should I be doing that? I'm at 40, 43 weeks, you know? And then again, just, just noticing those thoughts coming up, doing the practices that help me get back um, in tune with my body into safety, connecting with my baby. That was a big one. Um, knowing that he just needed a little bit of womb medicine, extra womb medicine to feel like he was ready, you know, and that, that felt good to me. And so going in, you know, I felt, I already had the expectation of like, oh, 42 weeks, that's normal. That's not anything, you know, out of you know a, a cause for concern to be at 42 weeks but then heading into my th 43rd it was a little bit like oof you know this this is pushing an edge a little bit for me um and again just kind of reminding myself what you know am i am i doing this pregnancy to satisfy like or am i or am i pursuing this path to satisfy my own ego's desire to have him here now or am i truly honoring and respecting my baby and his timeline and his needs. I had no idea what was going on in my womb. I had no idea what was going on in my womb. I didn't know if he needed a little bit of extra time to develop, to, trans to, to, to be strong enough to withstand, you know, entering into this world. 
I had no idea. And, and really resting into that sense of trust in him, you know, not just in my body, not just in God, but like trusting my baby. That was a huge one as well that, that factored into this whole path, right? Trusting my baby, trusting his timing, trusting his position, trusting his wisdom. And that was allowed, that was what allowed me to um, come back into that sense of safety and, and, and not pursue any type of induction, like natural induction or anything like that, um, and really just allow it to be spontaneous. When women hit 40, 41, 42 weeks, the level of texts and pressure from people, oh like, did you have to do anything like shut your phone off? Or did you I, just kind yeah. of breathe through it once you would start getting aggravated or... Um, there were certain things that like, you know, I would, I tried to, like I mentioned before, protect my peace and my space as much as I could, but I knew that I can't just avoid, you know, I can't just like, if someone asks me, I'm not just going to be like, you know, turn away, turn away and walk away. Like, but, but what does protect, protecting your peace, like, what did that look like? Was it like not being on Instagram or, you know, right. like what? So some of it was that of, of choosing not to be on social media a lot because there was so much pressure. Like you, you know, you want to avoid tearing, you need to do this. You, you want to avoid this, like you have to do this. You know, all of these things that I had to do, that I needed to do. And I was feeling so stressed out every time I would see a post like that because I was like, I'm not doing enough. Oh my gosh, yep. you know, like, oh, I made the wrong choice. Oh my gosh, you know, like I did this and they're telling me to do this, that I have to do this in order to ensure this pregnancy, this outcome, no, <laughs> no. So choosing to not be on social media that much, um, choosing to put like the, the silencing, do not disturb after a certain, you know, after a certain period of time throughout the day, just so that I could at least, you know, in the evenings have like a, a genuine like unwinding <laughs> and just feeling, um, feeling like I was safe in my in my little bubble that I had created, you know, my pregnancy bubble, my 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 birthing space. Um, if someone asked me a question, you know, having having an answer prepared wouldn't if, if some if a stranger, you know, asked me, I didn't engage with them because they're a stranger and I it's not my responsibility to. If it was a family member or someone who I loved and cared about, you know, I wanted to not explain myself, not not justify or or even defend, but just simply like have um, have an answer ready, um, and then just leave it at that, and then you know, you know, pivot the conversation somewhere else or do things like that to help steer the conversation away from what was happening, because a lot of the time it was also to satisfy their worry and their egos need to know and and like their their projections onto me and i didn't have space for that i didn't have energy for that and i i had no desire to to do that yeah and as a first time mom walking through this to me you have to have a certain level of what is it confidence this this steadiness of who you are and what you trust and you trust your body your baby and god yeah and putting your trust in that but a lot of first-time moms bend 
to the societal pressure or bend to the pressure of a doctor or bend to the pressure of family. Right. And the, the fact that you could remain steadfast to me is a huge deal. It, it really was because I have a history of people pleasing, <laughs> you Ooh, know? Yeah. I have a history of just, you know, outsourcing my sense of validation and safety to, to other people. And so to get to that place where I was advocating for myself and my, and my baby, that, that takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of undoing. And that takes a lot of trust in myself that I, I previ like years ago, I, I did not have. And, and to be able to, in, in my opinion, right, in my experience, like it took, moving from maiden to mother doesn't happen after birth. Like it's, it happens during pregnancy. That's exactly it, what I'm hearing you say. Right, and it starts with creating those boundaries for yourself, for your yes. birthing space, for your, your, your pregnancy journey. Maiden to mother started in pregnancy for me and that was kind of what solidified the, the transition and, and made it a lot easier in my experience now being postpartum because it has allowed me to be confident in those choices. It has allowed me to release that, that sense of like, oh, I don't want to disappoint someone else. I don't want to offend someone else. I don't want to say no to someone who wants to see my baby when I was, I, you know, we, he was freshly birthed and like, I needed time to recover. I needed time to bond with him. I had no issue, you know, creating, creating those, bond, those boundaries. And it was important. I mean, that was my responsibility to him. Yeah, so <clears throat> here I'm calling it steadfast, which it is, but it's, but it's you not operating out of wounded maiden as a mm -hmm. first time woman experiencing pregnancy, which right. is so rare because first time women, moms, whether, I don't know how to say that. First time being pregnant as a woman, typically you are in full maiden. That is mm -hmm. why you run to a doctor for external validation right. of tell me everything's okay. Tell me I'm pregnant because right. I don't know. I'm just this little girl that doesn't know myself. Right. But a healed mother, the, the light, the light aspects of mother is trusting yourself is putting those boundaries to protect yourself and your cub, mm -hmm. your baby. Right. And that's what a lot of times isn't set in place. And I mean, I don't need to go into why there's so many whys, but you had these qualities of mother while pregnant for the first time, which is so rare. But to me, that is why you could walk the path of a wild pregnancy mm -hmm. and then a free birth. Right, right. And I know for a fact that, you know, me, even, even, even two years ago, I mean, I'm not talking about 10 years ago, like absolutely 10 years ago, but even just two years ago, I, I wouldn't have been able to do this. I would have absolutely outsourced my sense of safety, validation, everything in order to feel that sense of like everything is okay you know i i don't i don't have to fear in this moment um and i i really like i'm thankful for the fact that i chose to 
wait until I was 35 to get pregnant. I think a lot of that immaturity that I had when I was younger in Maiden and wounded Maiden would have sabotaged any, um, would have sabotaged, you know, my birth and being able to approach this from a much more mature standpoint and a healed woman moving into motherhood, releasing maidenhood, that was integral. That was so important for me to move through. Getting pregnant at 35 was what allowed me to take control, to take radical responsibility and to to plan this, you know, loosely plan, obviously, this um, birth outcome. And it wasn't, you know, I in, in the beginning, I, I chose to sit with myself and try to like connect with my baby and say, like, what is available to us? What is possible for us? And, and I had this vision of, of, of the birth that I ended up having. And a lot of that was, you know, like it felt expansive. It felt deeply safe. It felt wild. It felt primal. It felt raw, it felt powerful. And all of my choices came f like from that, like I kept that in mind. Instead of making a, choices, a choice of like, I want to avoid this and so therefore I'm going to do this. I want to avoid tearing, so I'm going to do stretches. <laughs> I'm I, I want to avoid a breach, you know, a breach position. So I'm going to do all of these, you know, exercises and things to, to you know, try to avoid that. All of the things that I wanted to avoid, like I had awareness of, sure, but I didn't make a choice from that place. I made a choice from the place of what do I want? What do I feel like I deserve? What I feel like my baby deserves? And moved from there. So during pregnancy, um, I, I did, I had the plan of like, okay, you know, who, what do I feel is available to me? What do I feel I deserve to experience? What do I feel that my baby deserves to experience? What kind of support do I want around me? Who do I want in the space? What do I want the space to feel like? And I really tapped into like all of my senses um, to kind of craft this vision of what I wanted to have in a very loose way, right? Um, not, in a, not in the energy of controlling the outcome and, and like it has to be this, it's rigid, right? just holding it loosely in, in, in my vision, in my hand, but, but in a very confident and like affirmed way. And part of that journey was um, I had conversations with a wise woman um, and, and she, you know, she wasn't bound to a medical a midwife license at all. And she was like a radical birth keeper. And it was really awesome just to, you know, have the awareness of like what she was doing in this community and just being so inspired by that. And, um, and being able to like, hold on, <laughs> trying to connect the, the two stories. So in conversations with, with uh, the wise woman that I was um, speaking to, um, 
you know, there were there were a couple moments where when the fear did come in that like um, she basically just told me to like fuck it all. <laughs> and that was really the only moment that I ever not I wouldn't say that I that I sought out her her validation, but it was nice to just have the support from a wise woman who was also in alignment with my vision. Was and this, was this like kind of mid pregnancy, later pregnancy? It was it was towards the end where okay. like where, you know, I was I was reaching those points of like a lot of a lot of pressure coming in, a lot of a lot of outside opinions. And she told me that she had um, that her first birth went to 45 weeks. So that gave me a lot of confidence, you know, and and that made me feel like, OK, I, you know, things are things are fine. Things are good. Um, and, you know, I, I was able to sort of with that, like, OK, I don't need I don't need all the things anymore. Um, I can just continue to, to move forward around like mid 42 weeks, closer, closer to 43, once I was starting to head into that, where, you know, I listening to, to allowing myself to listen to, you know, the, the thoughts, the fears, the projections of other people surrounding the 43 weeks created some space for a lot of anxiety to enter, a lot of fear to enter. And as I was sort of sitting in that fear, um, something happened that was really frightful um, in in that moment. And you know, one one night, I I woke up from a nightmare, and as I was sort of reflecting on the nightmare and and sitting there in the dark, I started to smell a really potent. Um, like uh, sulfur, uh, the the I could smell sulfur in a really like really 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 strong way, and at first I was like, what you know, what the, what the hell is this? Like, what is this? I had no, you know, I was trying to logically move through that. I was like, are there like eggs that are like rotting in my fridge? Like, what is this? And I got up and I was like, where is this coming from? And I and I went out of the bedroom into the living space and I could still smell it. And again, I was like trying to figure out what it was. And all of a sudden I felt this like wave of intense fear come over me. And it was just uh, like unexplainable. There was no like, there was no like belief or thought around it other than this is demonic. <laughs> And I know that sounds wild, but there was no explaining. There was no like rational like explanation of where the where the sulfur was coming from. That thought that came through, like I felt this intense amount of fear, and I was sitting in the dark, and I grabbed my yoga ball, and like it was one of those things where it is not like me to, like I mean, sharing with you from before, I had a hard time even saying God for the longest time. And once I was able to comfortably say God, like I only refer to God as God, all of a sudden, as I'm sitting here in like intense paralyzing fear, like I froze, I was in the dark and I just like froze. This fear came over me and that's how my nervous system uh, responds is through like freezing and then shutting down. 
and I remembered one of my practices of like if you're if you're frozen move so I started to move and as I was moving I started to say Yahweh and and like that is not me at all like that is not something that I have ever said before in my life wow. up until that moment I felt like I felt this this like intense like urge to say the word Yahweh and I just started weeping in that moment because I was so paralyzed by the fear I was literally like frozen and and as I was repeating Yahweh over and over and I was allowing myself to like slowly like move um, there was just this moment where I felt an overwhelming like what was an overwhelming sense of fear was now replaced by like this overwhelming sense of peace and I can't explain it <laughs> I don't know you know there's no logical way to approach what I experienced other than what I intuitively felt was 100% demonic in nature and was a way to like because up until that point you know I had these fears and I and I had um, you know experiences of like anxiety and, and wanting to go get ultrasounds and wanting to go get a test and wanting to go you know to to see a doctor and make sure everything was okay and at the same time knowing like that's not true for me that's not true for what I know with a capital K <laughs> you know and 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 so like that wasn't working <laughs> and it almost felt like like a last resort like shake up let's shake her up and 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 this will get her to distrust because you know? she's walking in trust and we can't have that right and and right at the end like when he was about to be born you know like that was a really crucial time for me and i felt very vulnerable and very open and and i continued to choose to walk in trust and and to experience something like that at that stage like right before he was going to be born you know that was that was terrifying and i've never i've never had a uh, like a spiritual experience of that nature before in my life i've never felt called to say yahweh before i've never i've never liked... which is another word for god right right yeah and and it, it was just something that came over me and I know that if I would have fell into fear in that moment again like my birth vision would have been sabotaged the birth experience would have been sabotaged because that would have been enough to yeah. outsource you know what I mean yeah. like I'm not in trust of God but I'm in trust of a doctor I'm in trust of all of this other other things outside of myself and, and my connection to God and that would have 100% sabotaged my birth <laughs> and his experience and my experience and that was that was intense that was really intense and again i i just i attribute it to the fact that i made a conscious like choice to to have this entire experience be about my reflection of my reflection of trusting god you know and and what that what that what that means what that means for me what that what that looks like what that feels like and there was it, it took a lot of 
awareness to to move through that and to not like collapse into that sense of fear what was it 43 plus two <laughs> so on the second day of the 32 43rd week um i was starting to feel like i'm i'm i'm, I'm done with this pregnancy <laughs> like i i i'm 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 very ready to like have my my baby in my arms um and i hadn't really ever felt that at all you know up until that point that just like i'm totally done and my mom and my dad came in um on that second day and we went out to dinner and i started to feel at dinner like a little bit like some different sensations and i was like oh you know but i didn't say anything to anyone because i didn't i you know i i wanted to i didn't want to put anybody like an alarm or, or have them like you know all the all the attention on me you know so i started to feel something and i was like I you know i'm starting to feel a little bit tired um you know let's 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 go on home and so um we got to the apartment my parents were staying at a hotel and I went to sleep and I was like, you know, I had told my partner like, oh, I I'm I'm starting to feel like starting to feel sensations that were different than I had experienced before. Um and and I was like, but you know, I'm not I don't know. I don't know what it is. I felt things before and I thought, oh, maybe it could, you know, it might be, but it wasn't, you know. And I didn't want to pathologize it, so I was just like letting it letting it be what it was and just, you know, waiting. And I was like, all right, I'm tired. Going to go to go to sleep. So around 3 a.m. I woke up and I was like, "Oh, this this really hurts." <laughs> and I was like, uh, "I think this is, you know, I feel like this is a lot different than what I had been experiencing before." And um and then that was around 3 o'clock and um I I woke up from that because I like I couldn't go back to sleep. It was starting to get a little bit more intense. And I had told my partner I do not want to time anything. Like if you want to time, awesome, but don't tell me the timing, don't tell me the contractions, don't tell me like don't keep score because that's going to take me into a place of like, oh my gosh, I've been, you know, I've been laboring for X amount of hours and and I felt like that was going to knowing myself that that was going to um sabotage my birth. So he was kind of taking mental note of, you know, how things were going. Um but I was just giving myself space to be present and, you know, move through the sensations that were coming up. And around so that was that was at 3 he woke up with me. And from then I just I was on my yoga ball pretty much the whole time and then, you know, trying different things, seeing what felt good. uh certain positions didn't feel good i took a shower i was kind of like eh that didn't that didn't really do much for me um and i pretty much just stayed on my yoga ball the whole time i felt really supported on the yoga ball um and then there came a time where like the construction the 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 sensations were feeling a lot more intense and a lot you know coming coming faster and and so i was like okay you know it's things are happening <laughs> you know things are actually happening this time and so i got really excited um and and you know i had a playlist just to help music for me is really big and so it it helps you know encourage movement 
And so, I, you know, in the beginning, I was kind of, you know, moving along to like some high energy songs, um, just, you know, helping me to pass the time. And then, you know, starting to slow down once I felt like, okay, I have to have way more focus on, I can't just be out like doing things anymore. I was at the point where I was like, okay, I have to, I have to focus on the process now. Um, and so I was in the bedroom and everything was dark. I had a salt lamp on. I had like um, some primal music going because like what that, time is this now? This was now in the evening around. Um, so like, like, well, like, like, like early evening, early evening. So like 12 like, hours have gone by ish. Yeah, the whole the whole labor was 22 hours. OK, um, so yeah a, a large portion of that was spent sleeping <laughs> and then um once once things kind of like started where i felt like okay I, I can no longer you know be in the kitchen moving around like i have to sit down and i have to be like present with what's going on um it was really only a matters a, a matter of hours until like the birth actually occurred and so i was on the yoga ball for a, a while and there was a moment where I felt like, ooh, things are, things are starting to, to feel a little bit more intense. And so I started my breathing practices. And my partner like went out of the room and he came back. And I don't really have recollection of this, but he told me that like my eyes were rolled backwards and I was in like a complete like Zen meditative state for like at least an hour. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like in another world. Um, literally, like just totally in another world. And then the, the sensation starting to get more intense. And so it kind of snapped me out of that. And I was like, okay, that's no longer like useful for me. And that doesn't like, that doesn't feel, um, like it's supporting me anymore. So I'm going to, I'm going to move. I'm going to like, just start to shake. I'm going to start to, um, like, you know, move my body a little bit more because at, the, at that point I was just more, you know, like doing hand gestures, going like this and like directing my breath and like um, doing more like meditative, meditative practices to, to help me move through it. Once, once, you know, it like moved a couple of notches into like more intensity. And at that point I was using, um, I was drawing upon um, other modalities that like helped release more of like the pain in in an embodied way so um, you know using sound sound was a big thing for me and um, you know moving through each sensation through sound whether that was like just moaning or like growling or um, doing whatever whatever felt good in that moment as far as like releasing as well physically I'm um, shaking a little bit um, just moving in a really like primal wild way which was one of my fears of like being seen in that fashion and also like by, that was by my your vision by your yeah, partner, but, right. right by by my partner and and also at the same time like that was my vision to be seen in my power to be witnessed in my like wild state you know wild primal um state and so um i trusted that he would be able to hold that and witness that and like support that and 
there was a moment like right when things started to get like really intense where I realized, oh, I'm in transition. <laughs> and there was so much energy running through me. And mind you, like I mentioned before, I had no idea of the timeline. I had no idea how much time had passed because I knew that if I had been like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for, you know, five hours. I can't do it anymore. I'm tired, you know. Um, like that would have been something that would have sabotaged my breath. So I had no idea how much time had passed. Um, I just realized this is really intense. I'm in transition. And I started to um, like tense up a little bit. I started to fight like to feel rigid. And when I felt my body do that, I started to shake in a way that almost felt like convulsions. Um, I was facing the door and I had um, a rebozo like hanging from the door so I was hanging from the this like scarf type of thing and I was on the ball and I was like leaning back and like holding this thing and I was like like shaking like like almost what felt like convulsions because what I felt um, in a similar way sometimes when I meditate and I'm in a meditative state for a really long time um, there comes a point where I start to like move a little bit and it, and that always felt a little bit scary to me and I was like why why does that happen and I remember um, I remembered that one of my friends who had gone to a Joe Dispenza retreat uh, like they had talked about that that sometimes there's like blockages in the body and so that's just energy like trying to move up and and move and because of the blockages it kind of causes you to do this and then this and then this and you know like to move in funny ways right so as I was going through that in birth, I remembered that and I, I, I had to like bring some presence into the, the experience there to be like, okay, instead of like continuing to feel rigid and continuing to like feel scared in this moment because I'm like convulsing, um, soften, open, soften, open, soften, open, surrender, you know? And the moment that I did that, everything went like super fast. I, I, I felt the surge of energy like running through me and I changed positions. I hopped onto the bed, I got on all fours and this was all like instinctual. Like it, it didn't, you know, I just, I just moved in the way that I felt in that moment. And I was on all fours and things were moving fast and I could feel like, oh, this is like, it was, it was really intense, but I wouldn't even say that it was like, it, it wasn't pain. I wouldn't consider it as pain. Um, I just like, I, I had reframed pain to intensity. And so I feel like that's what helped move me through all of the sensations that were coming up. Um, once I was on all fours, um, I was there for maybe like 20 minutes. And then I was like, I have to change. He's coming. And so I laid on my side and I had my legs, up, like my, my, my leg up. And from then on, from then on, it was a matter of minutes. Like it all happened so fast. And when it came time to pushing, again, it wasn't painful. It was just a really intense sensation that almost felt like when I when I fully relaxed into it, it was it was almost orgasmic. <laughs> like it was it it was a lot of energy and and. I was no longer afraid of it. And so it made it a little bit easier in those moments to, to open more towards it. Do you and think your, going back to the convulsions, do you think your moment of 
resistance or fear was in the convulsions moment because you were kind of out of control of your body? A hundred percent. I, I, you know, not feeling like I was in control in that moment scared me. Not feeling like knowing what was happening scared me. And I knew that I had to surrender or like things would, would go awry, you know. And part of it too was just that fear of like, the fear of being so in my body, being in my body so, so grounded, so primally that it would take me to these higher states of consciousness, meaning for me, like having a, a, a moment of meeting God, of, of knowing God, of feeling God move, move through me and like being like, like in union really. And, and that terrified me. That was like, I, like, I, I, I'm so used to, you know, having control of my body to not have control was really scary you know and and there was a moment during like during the what seemed like convulsions that I didn't think I could do it I didn't think I could continue and and I was reminded you know you can do it remember your vision remember you know that you're capable and it just took a couple of reminders to be like, you know, what the fuck, Sue? Like, get over yourself. Like, get back into who you know that you are truly and what is available to you, you know? And, and once I was able to get back to that space, then, I mean, the convulsions continued for a little while. It wasn't like they just ended, right? They, it continued for a little while, but I just surrendered to them completely. And that's when I felt like, um, that's when I felt that surge of energy, like rushing up and sort of that, the beginning of like a transcendent blissful experience that was intense, yes. And also it was absolute bliss. like you know, thinking every time I think about my birth story, it's like, I want to experience it again. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to like, I want to have birth again, because it was such a profoundly beautiful experience all around. And so once, once I was on my side, you know, it just took a few pushes. And then I felt just like this, like, this, like, like, <laughs> like this moment of him just like slipping out almost like jello just like whoop. <laughs> and uh my partner caught him and he was tangled in the umbilical cord so you know we just unwrapped him and then came straight to me and we were there golden hour you know just like relishing in that period of time and i i i like i barely um had a tear I barely, like, if I wanted to even go in to, like, get it stitched, like, they would have turned me away and said, this isn't even enough to, yeah. like, tear. And and that's just the beauty of honoring that physiological process, that when when fully honored, like, your body is meant to do these things. <laughs> your body is meant to, like, expand and and move through it. And it's so beautiful. And 
and like I, I barely bled, you know, that was another thing that like was just surprising to me that was like, wow, this is, this works so perfectly. This works so beautifully when fully honored, when that hormonal matrix is honored, like what is possible is unreal. It's just, it like blows my mind every time I think about it. And it's, it's hard to explain sometimes because like, like the experience of it is just wild and it's so profoundly beautiful and it's so like expansive feeling and and after he was in my arms i just felt like this incredible high of like like i'm just in this like amorphous cloud of like awe <laughs> and bliss and just like what just happened oh my gosh you know and we kept the placenta attached um for a little over a day and a half and then we burned the cord and um, I had a placenta reading as well which was really cool um, and yeah I just I just felt like the whole I felt like I was on a high I mean even up until now four months later I still feel like how I felt that moment of like from transition to you know birthing my son um, I like tap into those moments and I still feel it and it's just it like makes me weep every time because it's just like it's so beautiful and it's, it feels so expansive. <laughs> um, when you were talking about transition it reminded me of kind of like the pinnacle the wall the peak that women reach in which they are faced with a choice mm -hmm. of running away from God right and running to god right and you you knew you could be in union with god yet you were afraid i was terrified yeah i and, was terrified <clears throat> yeah that's why i love this story is because to me that is what birth is is you reach this peak where you're faced with a choice of of fear and love or fear and trust mm-hmm and you surrendered to trust and that's when things shifted right and to me that is the biggest piece of the story yeah. is because we all have these choices and and then when you were just saying you know he came out like jello and then we had the golden hour and that's just all normal birth right like mm -hmm. you only know normal birth where your partner caught your baby and there's no gloved hand pulling your baby out of your vagina there's no gloved hand yanking your placenta out after mm -mm. there's none of that birth normal birth is what you experienced this first time right and that is rare yeah and it's it is. freaking amazing <laughs> that you didn't need to know and experience the atrocities and the trauma and the abuse firsthand to right. say no i don't want that right you heard the stories of the trauma the abuse in hospitals or even at the hands of midwives you know those stories and you chose otherwise and like yeah. look at your life experience now because you you were like I don't have to experience the same experience everyone else does. Right. 
Someone asked me a while ago, what are you most proud of? And I said, free birthing my son. Because it took, it took, oh. <laughs> it was like all of my experience, everything that I have lived up until this point in my life, like was all applied <laughs> for this, you know? And like it was worth, you know, all of the things that I've experienced in my life was worth was worth it just for just to be able to experience a normal birth, you know, just to be able to have experienced what it's like to have a birth without trauma, you know, to and and that's the thing is like I even feel like at least for me, if I had had, you know, a a a birth that was traumatic and then I chose from a space of like I don't want this anymore, I want this like that might have still sabotaged like my experience being able to be like have the awareness of of the realities that happen and the abuse that happens and also what's possible but making every choice from what's possible instead of from avoidance of something like that was huge for me yeah and that was what like that was foundational really and and to be able to like look back and just like even just like tapping into the energy of 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 like my birthing space like every single time it makes me weep every time i look into my baby's eyes as i'm like breastfeeding and i see him and like i i'm taken back to the moment where he was born and handed over to me and his eyes were open his eyes were looking at me like he was so aware and he was so present with me you know like it's it was it was worth all of the work a lot of times like you know you think about like healing work and inner work and oh my gosh it's exhausting oh that's a lot of work to like you know have like awareness and like go through all of these things it's so much easier to you know just like not care just to keep going on like in an unconscious way and being ego ego you know led decisions and all of that but it's like it was so worth all of the work and all of the effort just to be able to know that my baby came into this world like <laughs> without trauma in such a beautiful way where where he was respected and he was honored and like and that his wisdom was was taken into consideration you know knowing that like whatever position that he he decided to birth in like that was he chose that for a reason i don't know what reason you know i don't i don't need to know that reason he chose that for whatever reason was necessary and and you know he he was born with with a with the cord around him and it was one of those things where it was like no big deal <laughs> like for me it was like that was his wisdom um coming through because the the cord was really long and i know that like you know cord prolapse one of the things that are like an, a true emergency most of the stuff i had awareness of like it's not a lot of the things aren't actually emergencies they feel like it but they aren't actual medical emergencies but something like cord prolapse is and he twisted himself into the cord to avoid that like that was his wisdom coming through and and all that needed to happen was here <laughs> you know like it was it was such a seamless beautiful there was no there was no stress there was no worry there was no you know harsh tapping harsh like 
you know, handling of my baby. Like everything just was so blissfully beautiful and perfect and as it was meant to be. <laughs> he was born in the manner in which he was conceived. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is just... <sighs> like, the, the, the... That's how we change the world. Yeah. Yeah. Is respecting babies as full humans. Right. As, as, as wise individuals. Wise. Like... Sovereign. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Soul. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And, and the fact that he was able to come into the world in that way, like what a start to your life, you know, <laughs> what a start to your journey in this lifetime. And I, it's, it's, it's single-handedly the most, like, that is what I am most proud of in my life. Like achievements, this and that, whatever, like completely pale in comparison to being able to have free birthed my son into this world. <laughs> so now that you're four months postpartum, what does trusting your baby look like, like on a daily or weekly basis? You know, being in union with him daily, what does trusting him look like? Because that's what pregnancy was mm -hmm. and that's what labor and birth was. Yeah. It's really just, you know, in the beginning, I remember, you know, a few, a few, a few days after like, anxiety starts again you know anxiety hits and oh my gosh what is this little sound that he's making oh he 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 moved his arm in this way like you know what does that mean you know being so like hyper focused on him um like created space for a lot of anxiety to come to come through and so again just being able to take a moment and like attune myself to him and that's really what what a lot of my journey postpartum has been is learning to attune myself to him so that I can understand his needs better and what, what, what he wants from me. You know, is he, is he tired? Is he hungry? Um, does he need stimulation? Does he need love? Does he need touch? You know, and, and I would say just trusting him looks like Oftentimes, I think we, this may be a little controversial. <laughs> Go there. I feel like a lot of people have children with a very selfish heart. <laughs> and then when it comes time to show up for them, their needs are cast aside because it's an inconvenience because they haven't developed the maturity needed to be able to fully show up for them like selflessly. And that breaks my heart. Me too. That breaks my heart because like, <laughs> be, like having gone through pregnancy later in life and birthing later in life and now being a mother later in life like there was so much 
maturity that needed to happen for me to be able to show up for my baby in the way that he needs. And so trusting him actually like came way before he was ever conceived. Trusting him came like in like in the moment that I claimed him and realized like I do want to have a baby like and he knew that <laughs> he knew that I needed to mature. He knew that I needed to shed all of these layers that I hadn't yet shed to be able to get the needs met that he, you know, to, to be able to get his needs met in the way that he deserves and for me to be able to serve him in that fashion and, and remove this, this sense of like me, this is who I am and like completely come into a new definition definition of who I am and you know to be honest like still feeling on occasion like you know that that maidenhood like wanting to come out I want my freedom I want to go out and do things I want to you know go on on date nights I want to go do you know like have have the sense of freedom again and and that has been you know just that that keeps popping up every now and again it's not like it's completely gone but remembering that and knowing that he deserves better he deserves he deserves so much more and trusting him in like that that like even in burping like it's such a random you know example but like he knows how to burp himself like he may be a baby and his his system still may be like immature right because he's just born and there have been plenty of times where I have not you know padded his stomach and or his back and he just burps like he is he's wise he knows his body knows and like trusting that you know yeah because we could look at everyone just pats the baby's back because everyone else does Mm -hmm. they don't really know why they're doing that Right. But you could look at it as, I'm not trusting my baby's body to know what to do after they feed. Right. But do we need to get pat on our back after a meal to burp? Or do right. we just burp if we have to burp? Right. <laughs> so just the simple patting of bath, and it's not demonizing, it's a bleh, but right. this has to be said. Right. To believe that a baby needs to be pat, but but we don't. That is not trusting a baby as a full sovereign human. Right. And these are the insidious ways that we treat babies as less than. Right. And and people may say like that's not like it's just a pat. Like it's not a big deal. But it's it's not just about the pat. It's about the pat. It's about all these other things that we do unconsciously because that's what we're told is needed to happen. Even in developmental things, like you need to have tummy time, you need to have all of these things. Like, sure, doing that is a benefit. And also, like, that's another form of control of like, you know, I, I need to, I need to like have all of these routines and have all of these things in place in order to ensure my baby's development. And I don't, I don't believe that's true. Yeah, doing all of these external things. Right, right. And sure, like, like I said, like, 
it's not necessarily, they're not bad in and of themselves, but it's in how you engage with, with these things, you know, with these, with these techniques and with these whatever, you know, it's, it's how you engage with it. And most of the time it's, it's, it's not done in an elevated way, in my opinion. And, and most of the time for going back to the, the burping example, like after he feeds, I, I pick him up because that's what he likes and he burps on his own. I don't have to pat him. He does that on his own. And I know that every baby is different (laughs) and every baby, you know, has a a lot of it depends on their birth experience as well. Um, But again, that's like, I'm so thankful to have had the birth experience that we did because I, I feel like I genuinely trust his wisdom. I, I feel like I genuinely trust like, like him as an individual and yes moments of anxiety come in yes moments of fear of like oh my gosh is he okay and you know like (laughs) the the unknown of you know being a new parent and all of the things that come with that and yet being able to slow down for a second and be like i i trust i trust him i trust that he he can he, he that he can move through this you know with support on occasion right but but it's that fundamental feeling of, of trusting your baby that that is huge and that I feel is is missing, truly, genuinely missing. Yeah, and trusting your baby is trusting the wisdom of God. Right. It is one and the same. Like right. we are not separate. Babies are not separate. It's not all, all one. It's a it's a symbiotic process. I had to be able to not like and again when when i when we talk about trust and i'm sure you agree with this it's not an intellectual i trust it's not an actual intellectual i trust god yet my body is reflecting something different i trust god but my behaviors are reflecting something different no what we're talking about is an embodied sense of trust not an intellectual trust an embodied sense of trust that allows us to move differently to to feel differently to, to act to act in trust because right. i have been the person we see people that say no i trust god and then the actions if you're mm-hmm. truthful with yourself right. if you are truthful with yourself most actions are done in fear not trust right so you say you trust god you say you trust your baby but then these actions are actually rooted in fear Mm -hmm. that's huge that's huge and that comes up so so much and it takes it takes a lot of awareness it really does it takes a lot of awareness and a lot of courage to be able to recognize that voice and then say no i'm coming back into trust and what does that look like what does that feel like and and how do i move in that way right how do i act in that way and without that peace like there's there's a disconnect you can say that you're confident in your body you can say that you are connected to your body you can say that you are connected to God. And this is this is a touchy subject. This is edgy for a lot of people because nobody wants to be challenged on their beliefs and especially their beliefs in God. You know, when I shared that for me, this journey was a tr- my trust, like a reflection of my trust in God. Ooh, that triggered a lot of people. 
that triggered a lot of people. And because nobody wanted to sit with themselves and, and reflect on the ways in which they were distrustful of God, you know. So a lot of it comes down to developing like what it what it means to have embodied trust, what it looks like. Um, how do you behave? How do you act when you are actually capital T trust, you know? And that was, that was, that was this whole journey from pregnancy, even before like trusting my intuition. There was a lot of times where even through pregnancy, like I was like doubting my desire, doubting my intuition, doubting that this was actually like a, a, a genuine soul led choice to conceive and to move through this in this way and you know I which is why the imposter syndrome came up you know like so many things that wanted to take me out of distrust in God and into fear fear-based thinking fear-based behavior fear-based everything ego-led choices ego-led um, decisions and learning what it feels like is like and what it feels like in your body is vastly different than 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 the intellectual form of trust well thank you so much for sharing your amazing story and your soul and your life with us the time away from your baby thank you so much that's so much appreciated i know that's your time is gold um thank you so much sue this was everything yeah.